And today we're getting get personal. We're going to talk about your weight. Your baby weight, that is. I was so excited when that number went up on the screen. Thank you, Connie, because my phone started buzzing, my watch started buzzing, and at one point I'm like, I'm just going to cheat, and I'm going to look at one of them, and I opened it up, and it was like, thank you for your automatic payment for Xfinity. (laughs) Oh, well. Kendra, seven pounds. Well done. Or I should say, well done, Susan. Kelsey, maybe I shouldn't point people out. They might not want me talking about their weight. Kelsey, 7 pounds, 6 ounces. Dewey, 8 pounds, 15 ounces. All right, so far you have the lead, okay? Um, Scott, 9 pounds, 1 ounce. That's respectable. Yeah. Susan, 8 pounds, 3 ounces. Very good. Um, Wow, I don't have this number. So whoever was 7 pounds, 9 ounces, that's you. How come you're not in my phone? I'll get that taken care of. Uh, No way. Uh, Joel, 10 pounds, 4 ounces. Does that that pass you? Do we? Okay, Joel, currently in the lead. Uh, Joshua, 9 pounds, 15 ounces. Jadella, 11 pounds. What's that? Oh, 10 and a half. Eight. Okay, so Jadella is still in the lead. Ten pounds, eight ounces, okay? Uh, Tiffany. I got a whole slew of them. Oh, Heidi, I just got all of yours. Seven, seven pounds, nine ounces, six pounds, ten ounces, six pounds, nine ounces, five pounds, ten ounces. Very good. Tiffany, five pounds even. Nice. Okay. Uh, Elena. Come on. There we go. Um, Esri, six pounds, nine ounces. Ziva, not to be outdone by her sister, six pounds, ten ounces. And Nathan, together with his three brothers who were womb mates, two other brothers. Well, yes, so three brothers total. Okay. Fifteen pounds. Wow. Can we give him the lead or no? Does it count? I mean, he had... Okay, Nathan's mom wins. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so this is going to come as a bit of a shock, but I think Jesus was a big baby. I think he was a big baby. Lois, what's the biggest baby you've ever seen? Because Lois, for those that don't know, uh, spent a few years with babies in the hospital. Biggest baby you ever helped deliver? Twelve and a half. Still doesn't beat Nathan and his crew. Uh, smallest, sure. 11 ounces. Okay. Okay. Very good. So 15 pounds is the winner for three. And you can, Nathan, feel free to come up to my office afterwards. I'll give you candy from the candy drawer. And you can send it to your brothers. All right? I think Jesus was a big baby. Like, I think he weighed a good amount. I'm going to tell you why in just a second. Let's pray. God, it's always a joy on uh, a day where the focus is joy, uh, to be able to be in the house of the Lord and worship you. Um, I thank you that we have a community of faith that likes to gather, that likes to laugh, that likes to share life together. And I ask, Lord, that this morning our eyes, our heart, our souls will be focused on you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, if you've got a Bible, grab it, turn it to Exodus chapter 25. 
Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, our series is titled God in a Box, a renewed look at the nativity. The series, as I told you last week, really stemmed out of about three or four pages from a book that my professor wrote. Uh, The book was titled A Glorious Dark, and if somehow he ever gets a hold of the link of these sermons, I want you to know, Dr. Swoboda, that I'm giving you credit for all of this series. So... Uh, Last week, we began looking at the Ark of the Covenant, this fancy gold-plated box, right? And on top of this box was a lid, and on top of the lid were cherubim, right? Winged creatures that were solid gold, and on top of that, we saw last week was God's presence. God's symbolic presence here on earth. The angels, or the cherubs, were reminding us of the presence of God. So they looked down, and any time we saw cherubs in or cherubim in the scriptures, it really surrounded God's presence. I said at the end of last week, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, our traditional, um, our traditional nativity sets that have angels oftentimes, I think, should be pointing us back to the cherubim, pointing us back to God's presence still again with us in Jesus Christ. And I hope I didn't just break that. Okay, good. Remembering all this? Okay? All right. Well, we're going to keep going today. Same text. Uh, Let me reread it, and um, we'll see what happens today. Exodus 20, verse 10 through 22. Have the people make an ark of acacia wood, a sacred chest, 45 inches long, 27 inches wide, and 27 inches high. Overlay it inside and outside with pure gold, and run a molding of gold all around it. Cast four gold rings and attach them to its four feet, two rings on each side, Make poles from acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings at the side of the ark to carry it. And these carrying poles must stay inside the rings. Never remove them. When the ark is finished, place place inside of it the stone tablets inscribed in the terms of the covenant, which I will give you. Verse 17. Make the ark's cover, the place of atonement, from pure gold. It must be 45 inches long and 27 inches wide. And then make two cherubim from the hammered gold and place them on the two ends of the atonement cover. Mold the cherubim on each of the atonement mold the cherubim on each end of the atonement cover, making it all one piece of gold. The cherubim will face each other and look down on the atonement cover, and with their wings spread above it, they will protect it. Place inside the ark the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant which I will give you, and then put the atonement cover on the top of the ark. I will meet with you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover between the gold cherubim that hover above the Ark of the Covenant. From there, I will give my people commands for the people of Israel. Thus saith the Lord. And I will give you a dollar. I did it. Ezra knows this is true. If you read this text to your kids on Christmas Eve, because it's a good Christmas text, right? God in a box. Christy, you're a mathematical thinker, correct? How big was the box? Not very big, right? If you do the math, in our English translations, we got we to move from cubics to centimeters to inches. It was about two inches wide, two, not two feet wide, excuse me, two inches would be a little bitty box. Um, wow. Forgive me, it's my birthday. Um, I can only say that like once every seven years. Where was I? Two feet. Two. <laughs> oh, it's going to go quick, yes. Two feet wide, two feet high, and about four feet long. Some of you have TVs in your houses that came with boxes bigger than that. So not very 
Did you say something, Scott? I'm hearing things. Okay, we're going we're to focus in here. I'm ready. Um, two feet wide, two feet tall, two feet or four feet long. How much do you think it weighed? Any guesses? A lot. Okay, that's, that's fair. Um, somebody give me a number. 80 pounds. Okay, somebody give me another number. 120. Anybody else? 300. Okay, somebody else? 200. Well, ooh, wow. Wow. So according to a couple of scholars, um, they factored it out to 183 pounds, which is the size of my six foot three son. All right. Now, I also kept digging because I figured not everybody's right all the time. There was another scholar who also had a lot of mathematics involved in talking about the weight of gold and the amount of overlay and all this good stuff. He figured it was closer to 615 pounds. Yeah, so a fair amount. And then you add into it the things that were inside, and you add onto it the thing that covered it whenever it moved. Because whenever it moved, God said, you got to cover it. Numbers chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. When the camp moves, Aaron and his sons must enter the tabernacle first to take down the inner curtain and cover the Ark of the Covenant with it. Then they must cover the inner curtain with the fine goatskin leather and spread over that a single piece of blue cloth. Finally, they must put the carrying poles on top of the ark in place. How much do you think the curtains weighed? Now, don't even try guessing because we don't know. Okay, no idea. So how much did God in a box weigh altogether? I mean, acacia wood is a heavier wood. It's a dense wood. Gold is heavy, especially solid gold cherubim. Um, I think it's safe to say maybe somewhere between 200 and 600 pounds. So it was a heavy box. So lift with your legs, not your back type of box. Right, But divide that up under the four men or so that would carry it, and it's, you know, 50 to 150 pounds a piece. Not bad. That's like a big Costco bag of dog food. That's how I think. 50 pounds each. But then you start thinking how far they carried it. They carried it a long, long way. They carried it for 40 years because everywhere they wandered, the ark went first. So I'm going to read to you everywhere they went from Numbers 13 to Numbers 36. Just kidding. They went a long way. According to Sarah Krakowski, a master's in Near Eastern Languages and a PhD in Mass Communication, she did some math which I like um, and Christy will like. So 365 days in a year, just say yes. Yes, we figured that they probably traveled maybe 300 days a year, give or take, because they would take the Sabbath off and they'd have a few holidays and paid vacation days and sick leave. And so roughly 300 days a year, um, traveling three miles a day. Now you may think, that's not much. You know, you drove like 15, 10, three miles to get here. But in that day and a three miles a day is a long time. Um, how long does it take you to get your two kids into the minivan, right? How long would it take you to get two million people into the camel van? So three miles a day, it's a pretty fair guesstimate. So 300, I'm going to do the math here, 300 days a year, three miles a day times 40 years. And you get 36,000 miles. Did you say that? Just say yes. 36,000 miles. Again, some people will put that amount on their car in a year, but this was walking. That's the equivalent of going around the earth almost a time and a half, carrying a 200 to 600-pound box. You tired yet? Somebody would have needed a chiropractor. 
All right, the ark would have packed some weight. It would have been a weighty box, and you can almost hear the sighs of relief when King Josiah, like somewhere close to 900 years after the ark was made, told the guys who had been carrying it around for a long time that they could put it down. You see this in the Second Chronicles chapter 35, verse 2 and 3. Josiah was assigned who or Josiah assigned the priests to their duties and encouraged them in their work at the temple of the Lord. He issued this order to the Levites who were to teach all Israel and who had been sent uh, had been set apart to serve the Lord. Put the holy ark in the temple that was built by Solomon son of David the king of Israel. You no longer need to carry it back and forth on your shoulders. Oh. That's a long way to carry a heavy box. And that box would have been heavy in more ways than just physically. Now, did you know that the word for weight in Hebrew is also, well, is the word for glory? Or switch that around, actually. The word for glory is literally translated as weight, as heavy, as weighty. Several times in the story, in the original Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew word is kabod. Uh, several times it's, it's, um, it's, it's used of the ark because God is weighty. Not because of the physical weight, but because God is weighty. Now, Jonathan Edwards, the American preacher in the 1700s, says, The glory of God is the weight of all that God is. The fullness of his understanding, his virtue, and his happiness you ever heard the, like the phrase, I had to have a heavy conversation today? I mean, that's one of those that, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to have. A conversation with some magnitude, with some weight to it. So picture that feeling and then multiply it by like a gazillion, quadrillion, cabillion, and you start to inch a little bit closer to what it was like to be in the presence of the ark because of the weightiness that God had with it. And in the Bible, whenever people encountered God or, you know, angels encountered God, the, the people would have a very specific response. Anybody know what that response is? Physical response. They would fall down. Yeah, they would absolutely fall down. Ezekiel is a great example of this. Ezekiel 1 verse 28, it says, All around him was a glowing halo and like the rainbow shining in the clouds on a rainy day. This is what the glory of the Lord, the weight of the Lord looked like to me. And when I saw it, I fell face down on the ground, and I heard someone's voice speaking to me. So when he saw the glory of the Lord, he fell down. This happened again in chapter 3. So I got up, went there, and I saw the glory of the Lord, just, just as I had seen in my vision, and I fell face down on the ground. If you rewind about 500 years when King Solomon had the temple built and then the ark of the Lord brought into the temple into the most holy place, when the Levites brought it in there, if you remember the story, it says the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The weights of the Lord filled the temple and the, the priests could not minister anymore. They had to get out because it was so weighty. That's 1 Kings chapter 8. So glory and weight go together. Glory and heavy go together. Are you tracking with me so far? Okay. People weren't the only things to feel the weight of the Ark of the Covenant. 
There's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 4. I won't, uh, I won't read it to you, but it's the, uh, the Israelites, they go to war with the Philistines, and the Israelites get beat. Uh, I think like 4,000 men died on that day. And the Israelites came back, and they were sad, and they were like, why would this happen? And then they was like, they, oh, we had an idea. They said, let's bring the ark of, of the Lord with us out to, to go and fight. Because, you know, in the past when they had had the ark lead the way, um, they had won. So they brought the ark and the entire Israelite camp. It went nuts. There's hooting, there's hollering. The, the text says it was so loud, so noisy that the ground actually shook. And the Philistines were like, what in the world is going on? And somebody said, their, their God in a box came. This is James's translation. Their, bo- their God in a box arrived. There's no way we have any hope. We must fight like we've never fought before. And then they went out and boy, did they fight like they'd never fought before. And 30,000 Israelites died. And the Philistines stole the box. And when Eli, who was the priest at the time, heard that the box was stolen and that his two sons had been killed in the battle, he fell over backwards and died. Now, one of the sons was named Phinehas, and he had a wife who was pregnant at the time. When she heard that the ark was stolen and that her husband had died, she went into labor. And the text says before she died, which she died right at the end of her labor, um, she named her son. First uh, Samuel 4, verse 21, she named the child Ichabod, which means where is the glory? For she said, Israel's glory is gone. And she named him this because the ark of God had been captured and because her father-in-law and her husband were dead. Then she said, the glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. The weight has been captured. Now, just in the very next chapter, the, the Philistines take this god in a box that they had stolen, and they put it in one of their temples of a, of a god named Dagon, or Dagon, however you want to say it. And the next morning, if you remember the story, Dagon was like bowed before the ark, because it had felt the weight. So the Philistines came in, they didn't like that, they picked it back up, and they went out the next day, and it happened again. So not only people, but other idols were bowing under the weights, under the glory of God. Now, here's where it gets kind of sad. You fast forward 500 years from that time, and you get the Babylonian army sweeps into Jerusalem, 586 B.C., and they conquer everything. They, uh, they demolish every building, including the temple, and the ark disappears. We haven't seen it since. And this was the most unimaginable thing that could have happened to the Israelites. Because remember, the ark was God's tangible presence. It was God with them, for them, to them. The ark was gone. The weight of God was gone. And my professor actually says it really well. He says, the utter sadness of this this event, this Babylonian takeover, is clearly seen in the Bible. Interestingly, if you ever read a section of the Hebrew Bible that was written after 586 B.C. when the ark was lost, such as Jeremiah or Lamentations or Ezra, you notice that the word glory is ominously omitted. It's not in there. It was as if the Jews felt God had left them. They felt abandoned. The glory had departed. No glory, no weight, no presence, no ark. That was a heavy statement. And you can almost hear the emotion of the psalmist uh, after the takeover from Babylon in Psalm 137 when it says, Beside the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept as we thought about Jerusalem. We, we put away our harps hanging, on, hanging them on branches of poplar trees. 
how can we sing songs of the Lord while in a pagan land? In a pagan land without the ark, without the glory of God, without the weight of God. Now you may be thinking, what does all this have to do with Christmas? What does all this have to do with Advent, with, with, uh, with a renewed look at the nativity? What does all this have to do with how much Jesus weighed? And because I said Jesus was a heavy baby. I think he was weighty. You know, we don't have access to Jesus' birth certificate. I called and asked HIPAA laws. They wouldn't give it to me, right? But one of Jesus' best friends as an adult was a guy named John. And John happened to write a life story of this guy named Jesus. And it began in a way that many of the Israelites, when they heard it, they would have turned their heads and been like, what did you say? Their pulse would have quickened. Well, we know it. It starts like this. In the beginning, the Word of God already, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. In the beginning, was, uh, in the beginning you, know, you know the rest of it. I, apparently, I'm struggling. Verse 10, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. And here's the statement which makes me think Jesus was a heavy baby. So the Word became human became flesh, and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Glory and weight, glory and heavy. Put this into context, okay? The grieving Jewish nation had been, they hadn't heard from God in 600 years. And all of a sudden, you know, there's no ark, there's no weight, there's no glory. And, and John says, I have seen the glory. My professor says, imagine reading that. John, a devout Jew, knew the story of the loss of Israel. He knew the ark was gone. He knew the temple had been trampled, and he believed he'd seen the glory of God again. He wrote a story about hanging out with that glory, eating with that glory, watching that glory die. For John, God had not left us. God was here, really here in our zip code. So why was Jesus a big baby? Because lying in a manger beneath a roof, you know, a lid with cherubim that are announcing the presence of God, the glory of God, the weight of God was wrapped in strips of cloth. And on that night, the world once again felt the weight and glory of God. Do we still feel that? I've been around the sun 44 times. Uh, Connie told you that this morning. Um, Some of you have been around the sun a lot more times than that. I won't name names. For 44 years, 44 seasons, I've heard the story of Advent, oftentimes multiple times, you know, to where it becomes kind of, it can become white noise. And we look past what something like this nativity can actually symbolize. But do we recognize, could we this year recognize the weight of the glory of God. You know, Debbie, you talked about picking up and hiding the baby Jesus. This is light. But what if we realized he was weighty? What if as we were wandering around the stores, yes, being reminded as we saw the angels on top of the nativity of God's presence, what if we were also reminded of the weight of glory? I think that could change things. I think it could help us see the nativity in a renewed way. So I would encourage you, 
let's add to what we're doing. When you see a nativity, yes, be thankful for God's presence, but then also allow the weight of glory to be felt deep in your soul. Let's pray. God, it's easy for us to hear a story, to be told a story that we've been told countless times. It's easy for us to to know the details, but not to think twice about them. I thank you that this season we get to have a renewed look, uh, perhaps a different look than what we may normally do. I pray, Lord, that this, this week, the rest of the season, that you would not let us see a nativity without at least feeling some sort of the weight, some sort of the glory of God that this, that this scene represents. As we feel that, we will be careful to give you all the glory and the praise and the honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.